Hi, everyone. Uh, so I'm Sarah Darwood, Deputy Editor at Design Week magazine. And I've got this lovely panel here with me today to talk about design value. Um, so I'll just give you this mic to pass around as and when <laughs> you need it. Um, so this is a subject we're really interested in at, at Design Week. And often we write about both commercial value and the social impact of projects as well. Um, so that could be anything from branding to graphics to product design. Um, and we're going to be talking today about what makes design successful, so both commercially or as having a social impact. And I've got four DNAD judges this year across who are experts across different fields, so graphics, branding, uh, magazines, and interiors. Um, so we're, as well as talking about some of the standout work from this year's awards, we're also going to be looking at how their fields are changing and the factors that are uh, making an impact on their field. So things like advancement of technology and consumers becoming more demanding as well. So we'll have roughly half an hour of discussion and then a quick uh, five to ten minute Q&A at the end. So I'll just introduce our panel. Um, so first of all, we've got David Jenkinson here, who's creative director at packaging and branding studio Pearl Fisher. Um, David previously worked at Elmwood and has worked on brands including Coca-Cola, Cancer Research, Gatwick Express and Heineken. And then next to him, we've got Ibrahim Kamara, who is a digital entrepreneur and co-founder of Guap magazine, which is the world's first video magazine um, and is now a multimedia, uh, multi-platform creative brand for young people. Ibrahim's also been named one of the most influential BAME uh, leaders in the UK tech sector. And then next to him, we have Kath Tudbull, who is creative director at Super Union. Um, Kath previously worked at Johnson Banks for over 10 years, then joined the partners before leading a team at Super Union. She believes in design as a tool to make a positive social impact and is also an examiner at the CAS. Um, and then last but not least, we've got Hannah Carter-Owers, um, who is co-director at Universal Design Studio, um, and she's a spatial design expert and works across exhibitions, hospitality, retail, and workplace design. Um, Hannah's worked on projects for British Airways, Fortnum & Masons, um, Selfridges. Um, so we're going to start just by asking each panellist to talk about a standout piece of work that they judged this year, um, and we're going to show a clip of each of those pieces as well. Um, so, should we start with the first clip? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. We'll wait till it's done then. Well, it's a first for the popular French clothing line, Lacoste. No, it's not right. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> we'll get the first right click up, <laughs> which should be not one more newspaper, Ibrahim's clip. Oh, you've got it. Yeah, do you want to just hold it up? So, technical difficulties. Yeah, sorry um, about that. Yeah, let's take it back to your tradition. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to be speaking about yeah, not one more newspaper. And what really stood out for me with this project is that it's got like magazine design on a newspaper. Usually newspapers are quite boring and there's like a lot of text and this didn't. So we're gonna open it up and go through it one by one. Yeah, it's there now. <laughs> nice. 
So the whole magazine, well, newspaper is all about gun violence and the gun violence epidemic in America right now. And I really enjoyed the fact that it's telling a story throughout the whole newspaper. The colors, yellow, black, and white are very striking. So it caught my attention straight away. There's also a lot of prompts in this newspaper. This is so technical, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of prompts in the newspaper that make you go from the physical world to the digital world. So it has things like take pictures of the poster and then post it on Instagram. So I thought that was quite smart and innovative because I've never seen a newspaper do that. Um, there are a lot, also a lot of parts where, oops, you could just take things out and have it as a poster. And yeah, I feel like the newspaper was just very interactive. And traditionally, like newspapers, you just read it and that's it. But this makes you want to do a lot more with the newspaper. So I guess even you'll do a lot more with the paper. Like newspaper just like usually goes to the bin. But with this, you can have this forever. Or like there was other parts where you could take a selfie with something. And yeah, the messaging was just great. So I think that's why I really liked this project. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then should we do the next clip? So that's the McAllen Visitor Experience. So Hannah, do you want to talk a bit about that and why it was so effective? Yeah, um, I think not least because it's got a sound, pretty epic soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> um, and a pretty epic uh, uh, 
movie entry, but I think it's just really, really seductive and a really good example of exhibition design. So it was within spatial design, which is a very diverse category with, with lots of different subsections for um, you know, sort of exhibition design as a vehicle for storytelling rather than the exhibition design being the event itself. And it takes something really simple, which is the story of whiskey, and really sort of exploits it and explores it to create a, a really sort of immersive and engaging experience, which actually feels quite analog. And the, you know, it's it is it's a really good mix of like art and um, craft and technology and and science and theatre. Um, but I think the technology aspect feels quite quiet, and it does feel analog. It's you know the kind of you know beautiful finishes, the way that you actually interact with the. Um, with the elements is, is in a very sort of physical and analog way, which I think is really compelling um, for a space. We, lo we, we saw lots and lots of entries where sort of digital and technology and screen-based um, communication was very kind of evident within the, the spatial, you know, the spaces, whereas this is kind of all of the elements that come together to create, you know, great spatial experience. So, you know, lighting and sound and, you know, um, you know, lots of moving parts, but a very kind of seamless journey or seamless um, experience. But but just really, really beautiful, really well contextualised. Um, you know, a, a really good response to the architectural envelope that it's within. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I just think it was really sort of exemplary in it, as far as sort of it being inspirational and um, you know really well executed and, and fit for purpose. Wonderful. Okay. Um, and then the next one is Save Our Species. Could we get that one up, please? This is for Lacoste. David, do you want to talk about that? I don't think I need to say too much about that, to be <laughs> honest. I think it speaks for itself. I mean, I saw this last year, and it's one of those jobs that when you see it, you wish you'd thought of yourself. And I'm sure it's shared by a lot of people in the room. It's just so fitting for a brand like Lacoste to do what they've done, switch their logo out. Uh, they did it the first time last year. They've done it this week for the second time for another 10 species. 
three and a half thousand uh, sort of examples of those species have been sold by T-shirt, and you know you saw the kind of hits that it's got and the and the exposure. I think it's fantastic. Okay, lovely. Um, and then we've got one more, which is the Health Purse by Great India. Can we get that up? And Kath, um, yes. Yeah, so I was judging on graphic design, and uh, that jury is very broad. We're looking at massive posters, we're looking at environmental design, annual reports, direct mail, all sorts of different things. And I think we were quite surprised that we spent an awful lot of time talking about this particular project, which is such a small little physical item, this little range of purses. But it's got such a great idea, and it's so well done. So just to explain what it is, um, these are little purses designed to communicate to women in rural India about uh, breast examination, because there's a real taboo around talking about the female body. And the, the kind of lovely little insight here was that um, the way that women uh, keep their money um, is to have these tiny purses, which they actually wear inside their sari blouses, so actually on their breast. And that's, that's a very normal thing. Um, so this range of very beautifully kind of uh, appropriate purses was created. Each has a, um, a kind of regional style of art applied to the outside to make an image of a woman. Um, and each of those has the woman with her hand just inside her sari top. Um, but they're all done in different regional styles, so they will appeal to all the different kind of areas. And in, in India is a huge country, so they, so they are kind of um, locally appropriate. Um, and from the outside, then they look just like attractive purses that these women would want to use. But then inside, we have this really important information, which is done in, the, in a very kind of uh, typical style of educational kind of um, graphic design to help people, especially those that aren't necessarily literate, to understand what they need to do. Um, and so it's a kind of constant reminder to those women that they can do it themselves or that they sh should get checked. Um, we just thought it was a beautiful insight. It was so appropriate to talk to the, that specific audience. And it's interesting to be looking at something that feels um, so vernacular, so based in, in an existing style, but is actually exactly the right way to talk to that particular audience. And so a design idea doesn't always need to be pushing what graphic design can look like or be, but actually just be really, really strong and appropriate at communicating. So. We found this to be um, a beautifully surprising discovery in the jury that something so small could be such a big idea and could potentially save lives. That's great. Um, and I want to ask each of you now what factors or things you were really looking for when you were judging. So maybe starting with Hannah, what, what were you looking for to make something stand out? Um, I think, first of all, it was just making sure that the entries were correctly kind of placed within spatial design. I mean, it's really, really difficult, obviously, judging physical spaces through photographs and, 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 um, and movies. Um, but I think it was just understanding that the, the entry kind of played on, on all aspects of spatial design. So it was, you know, it's the sum of all parts. It's the, it's the lighting and the kind of form and the materiality. And, and really thinking about all of those elements to tell whatever narrative or story it is, or, you know, so, so that it is, the design is fit for purpose. So I think we were looking for that kind of quality and there were an awful lot of um, entries that didn't, they were really sort of strong, they were kind of lopsided, they were really strong in one kind of facet, but actually you've got, for spatial, you've got to look at the whole, the whole picture. Okay, great. 
Um, I think the judging criteria of DNA D is, is kind of how I think about design anyway. It's got to have a great, inspiring idea. It's got to be beautifully crafted and executed, and it has to be relevant and fit for purpose, which is why something like this resonated so much with us. Um, there was a huge amount in graphic design, 600 entries, um, and, of, of, and as I mentioned, it's a wide range as well. So... Um, just kind of making sure sometimes that we're understanding the context because with posters, something like that, it's very immediate and you, you need to get the idea immediately. Whereas maybe something like this, you actually need to understand the context and who they're talking to. So, uh, the, yeah, just kind of, it's important to, to read everything and understand it as well as kind of judge it on, it, on its sort of in, initial impact. Um, so, yeah, I had to judge like magazine covers and spreads. And I, I think I was probably one of the youngest people there. So I think from my perspective, I was just looking at what things, if I saw it on social media, I would stop and look at it. Um, so whether that would have been a cover. So like if I saw this in my social media feed, I probably would have thought, what is this? So that was my thinking when I was looking through the stuff. Um, and then once I had filtered out the ones that I would have stopped for, it was about what's the purpose behind what they're doing. Um, and yeah, that's how I judge mine. So uh, for me, it was uh, immediacy. Um, and again, is it work that I wish I'd done? I think there's, there's, like you, in graphic design, in branding, we had 500 pieces. And it's a lot of work to go through. So if, if stuff just takes too long to decipher and... And uh, I'm looking at Jeff, who's one of the uh, fellow judges. It's, it's hard, right? It's, it's, you know, it's a lot to go through. So you just want something that you know, hits you in the face immediately, that isn't too hard to decipher, but is um, you know, work you wish you'd done. Okay. And did any of you spot any themes or trends this year? So things that were recurring across your fields? So um, we had one which was, I'm not sure, I think it's a bit of a negative trend, which was like a ticker tape. Um, effect. I don't know if you saw this in graphic design, but colourful sort of um, rectangular shapes. Debbie Millman was our um, uh, president and our jury, and she, she called it first, and then we couldn't unsee it. So everything that had it, uh, I don't know, it's just a weird theme. It was probably six or seven, Jeff, uh, pieces that, that carried that theme. So it all sort of felt like it looked a bit, this, bit the same. Okay. Yeah. Ibrahim? Um, one, there's two things I noticed. One was that there, were, there was a lot of magazines or newspapers who didn't actually have like front covers of people. There was like a lot of text-based covers or illustrated covers, which was something I didn't know happened. I just thought everyone takes editorial type shoots for their cover. Um, and yeah, I saw a lot more purposeful type content. Um, those were two things I saw. Okay. Yeah. Um, I noticed a, a trend in annual reports, which uh, isn't something that's usually um, necessarily the most interesting kind of category of, of material. But there was certainly some standout bits of work in, in that field where actually uh, take, rethinking what the form of an annual report should be and making that really, really appropriate for the brand um, and actually saying something about the purpose behind that brand. Uh, there were some really innovative kind of solutions there. Um, and then in terms of Stylistically, I did notice quite a lot of work that had a kind of retro feel and was sort of harking back to another time. And I, I don't know whether that's something about the familiar and something that's a little more kind of, 
I don't know, it's sort of rather than kind of pushing forward um, the aesthetic, I, n I noticed a little bit of a harking back and that maybe that's something to do with a comfort in, in things that are already familiar and recognisable and a kind of human connection to the, to the past, really. Um, my category, spatial design, was really, really diverse, but um, a couple of things um, or themes stood out, which was um, socially conscious projects, and it sounds like from your choices that that's maybe something across the board, um, but people using spatial experience to um, tell really kind of compelling stories around issues like male suicide, HIV, homophobia, in a really sort of immediate and kind of visceral way, which I think was really, really successful. You know, all of these issues have a lot of statistics around them which can kind of just fly over you, but using spatial design to kind of have that immediate, like physical recognition of, of an issue. So that was something that I noticed. Um, and then um, also digital and tech companies um, using analog and spatial physical experiences to reach audience and engage with people on a much more kind of human and, and immediate way, which is really interesting to see the kind of flip over between um, digital and, and, and physical. Um, you know, I think, you, you know, the, that crossover between physical and digital is something we all talk about, but within spatial design, I still think it's like the, the unicorn, it's like the holy grail, that no one's kind of got there yet, but it's sort of working towards that in really interesting ways. Okay. Um, and moving on from that, I'd like to talk about things, factors that are affecting your individual industries. So maybe starting with you, Hannah, um, how do you feel the sort of death of the high street or the impact that's happening to so many chains on the high street is, is really affecting retail and interior designers? How can interior designers keep up with the sort of increased digitalization of, of retail brands? Um, I think it means that, um, I think it's really exciting because I think it means that physical spaces that would be transactional, because it's where you go and just sell, you know, it's like the sale of goods, um, you know, are suddenly liberated because you don't, you know, they are not workhorse spaces. And I think it's provoking lots of really, really interesting uh, conversations about what space is for. Obviously, we're all human beings. We all need to interact with each other. I think the more of the functional day-to-day -day swaps over to kind of digital, the, the, the more, the greater the need for kind of human interaction. And, and, and I think what you're saying is lots of kind of imaginative and creative opportunities for engaging in new ways. And that's not just retail, that's across hospitality and workspace, um, uh, which I think is really, really exciting. I think it's not, I don't think it's time to be scared at, at all. Um, and Ibrahim, do you want to talk about how the growth of online media and online platforms is affecting magazines? Because obviously your magazine is online, but also print mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I think if you're like traditional media, it can be problematic because you have to make that shift. Um, but I think for new media platforms who start with both, um, because you know the digital space and you know the physical space, you kind of can still live. Um, I think it just becomes problematic if you have to adapt to this new time. Um, so, yeah, for magazines like ours, we still do fine in print because we've done both at the very start and we've integrated digital into our print. So we use augmented reality in our print, so it's not just any other print. So. Yeah, I think you just have to think innovative ways to still live in the print world, but obviously still do your digital stuff. Okay. 
Um, and then, Kath and David, do you want to talk about um, the increased, sort of, let's go for Kath first, um, the increased sort of digitalization as well of uh, branding and graphics? So, um, as it's becoming sort of opting more towards animation and movement, and how um, graphic designers can keep up with those kind of trends? I think um, the most important thing is to use technology in meaningful ways, really. And I think with branding and graphic design, all we're really trying to do is connect to people. Um, whether that, you know, when we're dealing with clients and brands, they are essentially people and, and they're talking to people. And, and I think as soon as we kind of break it down to that, anything that we're doing um, has to connect. And sometimes there are ways that um, digital technology can massively enhance that connection. But in other, at other times it can get in the way. And I think, um, yeah, so it would be concentrating on the thinking behind utilizing technology and not using it for style or for kind of impact, but for meaning. David? What you just said. <laughs> um, look, I think it's not going away, is it? It's, it's here to stay. And for us, we, we've, we've hired a motion designer in the team at Pearl Fisher. And, you know, we want to, I'm looking, I've got a couple of colleagues over there. We're looking, we catch up every week and we always talk about sort of making sure it's relevant and, and fitting. But I think it's definitely something we want to integrate more. We even spoke about whether we integrate a digital designer because you know we don't want to be experts in that world but we want to make sure our ideas translate uh, across as many points as possible okay great and i think from the examples that you showed at the start there's an obvious um conflict or maybe not a conflict but there are projects that perhaps have great commercial impact and commercial value and projects that do good for instance the health purse is educational as well um how do you feel as designers about this conflict? Do you feel that design always has to do good or can it just make a great sort of commercial impact? Can it just make money for a brand? <laughs> the age-old question. Look, <laughs> brands have to earn money, they're commercial, but I think for me it's relevance really comes in. I think, you know, Save the Species just works, it fits. I think brands, when they try and shoehorn an idea into something that doesn't feel genuine, I think then it's a problem. But, um, you know, I don't think it's perfect, by the way, um, Save the Species. I think, you know, I'd love to see that, that Echo and, and, and Jaguar and Puma, any brand with a animal logo should pick that up and make it massive. So the potential of it, I think, is bigger than, than actually they've done. But, you know, I think for them it's relevant. Um, I, I'd agree with that, and I just think that um, purpose for brands needs to be um, real. You can't get away with looking like you're jumping on the bandwagon to, uh, to do something that's fake or temporary. And the most successful things are when a brand really does have some core values that they believe in, and then that's expressed through uh, the work that they do that has a social impact. But sometimes that's, you know, that's not the main thing, and I think you know, uh, there are other aspects of connecting to human beings. That, um, that brands need to, to do. And more often than not, it's great if they can also do good for the world because it's certainly needed at the moment. Any other thoughts on that at all? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's the conversation about design or projects or um, entities that are very obviously good for, they have a social purpose, but I think as designers, well, A, I think our clients, have all, everyone's got a responsibility to be conscious now more than ever with everything that you do. We really have to. I think every, everybody needs to feel that. But I think, um, you know, as designers, I think it's, and whatever type of designer you are, it's just that constant thought in your head that it's got to be purposeful. Like, whatever you're doing has got to be purposeful. It's got to have a real meaning. 
and, uh, and you know, we should all be striving to design for a better life, whatever it is that we're doing, or, do, you know, design that's purposes to make our, our, our lives better. So I do think we kind of... And, and that can be evident in, you know, obvious or, or less obvious ways, you know, creating spaces might just be about bringing people together, um, you know, to sort of have a good time. You know, that, that, that's really worthy, you know, that, that makes certain people's lives better. But I do think you, at this point, we've, re we've really got to kind of keep that in the forefront of our minds. I think I've got quite a different view. I think um, as any sort of creative, when you put your work out to the world, you kind of just want people to like it. So I don't think you have to make design work to be purposeful. You can just make design work because you want other people to think, oh yeah, you're sick. Um, I think the whole purpose thing should only be embodied if that's in the actual company's DNA and not something, like you said, that they're just jumping on. Um, if it's something you're just jumping on to make money, I don't think you should do it. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's just my thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. And do any of you have any thoughts about the carbon footprint of the design work that you're doing? So, um, Hannah, you might be a good one to talk about this. So, obviously, you can make really impactful, effective retail experiences, but how do you sort of marry that up with thinking about the impact of the work, the carbon impact of the work? Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's um, like a, it's a very preoccupying thing, and like every design festival I have to go to, this one's pretty lightweight. I just think, oh my god, what's the carbon footprint of like the Milan Furniture Fair, and all of these things that we do because you know they're championing our industry. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think you know the industry's shifting. There's kind of absolutely lots of emphasis on making sure that the materials we use are as light as possible in, in terms of kind of environmental impacts and you know recycling. Um, you know, the, I think um, retail has shifted um, in some respects, but there is also that kind of pressure for newness and like temporary spaces and pop-up. And I think, um, you know, and that, that does put a real pressure on, 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 you know, maintaining some kind of, um, you know, environmental kind of moral obligation. Um, but I think, you know, we always try and think about the full life cycle of projects and make sure there's kind of like lifestyle, you know, things can be reused or accepting kind of found elements and found spaces. So I think there are lots of ways around it. But no, I mean, it's a, it is a, in, in terms of construct, you know, construct, the construction industry um, is heavy in terms of environmental impacts. And it's a, a, a space that can have, you know, that we do need to kind of keep. I mean, there are lots of rules and regulations that kind of mean that we do, yeah. but it's definitely like a challenge that we constantly kind of come across and have to keep kind of striving to, to improve on. Okay. Has anyone else got thoughts on that? I mean, for us, it's, um, it's top of mind all the time. Uh, in, in, in my team, we've got uh, a material specialist. We talk a lot about lightweighting. And, uh, you know, no brand or client is perfect, but as long as they can do all they can do to just nudge the needle a bit um, you know we definitely try and convince clients but we're not going to sort of slap them around the head with it it's you know it's in conversation I think you just got to be conscious and mindful of it and where possible make some make some change even even if it's small and incremental it's, it's good change okay great yeah just one thing I noticed when judging was um, 
that there's been a shift, I think, for everybody, that when you see a really overdone thing that's massive for no reason and has loads of elements and boxes and unnecessary stuff, what might have been, like, oh, you know, like visually stunning in the past is now just kind of pointless and wasteful and it's, it's, it's kind of wrong. And I think that's now a natural feeling when you're looking at stuff that's wasteful. So I think that's a really good shift that um, we're not just kind of excited by scale and complexity, but actually, do we need to do it like that? Ibrahim, did you have any thoughts? <laughs> no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we're going to wrap up quite soon and then go to Q&A. So I'm just going to end by asking each of the panellists just to say, give a little bit of advice for designers in their fields about what they can be doing to create really impactful work in the next year or so, what's really at the forefront. So, Ibrahim, did you want to start? Um, I would just say do what's true to yourself and try and replicate your thoughts and your feelings in your design and always stay true to that. I don't think you should follow what an industry is doing. Just do what's true to yourself. Well, that's a great point. Um, for me, it's, it's just make sure your idea is, is stand out. Everything falls from the idea. If your idea is strong, like save the species, I mean, that's a, that's a grade, but you know, everything falls from it. So make that brilliant, is what I'd say. Um, I think single-mindedness is good. And um, often that creates the work that is it stand out because it's, it's communication, essentially, is what we're doing. So I think overcomplicating messages is not, is not necessarily a good thing. Um, and I also think in terms of your references and your inspirations, don't just look to the design world. I mean, there is such a broad world of art and culture outside of that that should be uh, where you're constantly gaining inspiration rather than studying what the industry is doing. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Just be really, really rigorous with your research um, at the beginning of a project and then try and go away from it and design in isolation and try and be original, I think. Um, that's the, you know, it's, it's difficult to kind of shut everything out, but I think you know, the, you've got to try and internalize for a bit if you want to be truly kind of original and, and true to yourself. Okay, great, thank you. Um, so we're gonna open it up to Q&A now. Has anyone got any questions? Yeah. Who was it, whose hand? Oh, right. Sorry, I'm gonna stand up, otherwise you don't see me. My name is Claudia, I'm coming from Tokyo land of good design. And I had kind of two questions, um, and I might have missed a part of the conversation. One was that you were talking about immediacy and reacting to things as if they're in their so social feed, and now you're talking about being sustainable, which means in a way also more long-lasting. And I don't know how that immediacy and that you know, quickness of judgment are at odds with creating things that are more thorough and they have a bigger longevity. So that's one question. The other one is, is a perplexity I have because I really love the Lacoste campaign. Um, I just don't think it's very good for the purpose. I think it's a very good brand refresh that did a lot for Lacoste. I had no idea what the actual brand was behind it, their partner. I already forgot it because I've just not seen it on social media. All I see is the little logos going on and on. 
Um, so while I think it's a really smart idea for a brand refresh, I think it's a really ungenerous idea for purpose. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on those two things. So I, I, maybe I'll take the Lacoste as, as that was mine. I, I actually don't think it's a brand refresh. I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's a smart use of an asset or actually a, almost a sacrifice of an asset to, to make a, a statement. Again, I agree with you. I don't think it had as much cut through as it could, but I think actually the intent of it, I hope, was genuine. It fits for that brand, um, and they could have done more with it, though. I totally agree with that. Anyone want to take the second question? Yeah, I don't think I understood. I don't think I understood the question. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you may need to elaborate on the question a little bit, but I think in terms of immediacy versus lasting impact, um, I think a great idea communicates fast and it will capture the attention. But if it's if it's really thoroughly thought through and um, and and strong, it will also um, potentially be a long-lasting thing. So you know, working in branding as I do, we're trying to create things that that will last but in ways that can constantly talk to audiences um, in relevant ways and immediate ways. So it's, I think it's trying to balance both. I don't think they necessarily conflict. If the work is very good and, work, and the ideas are very strong, um, you should be able to achieve both, actually, if that's... I don't know if that's quite what you meant, but... They work really well on, sorry, I'll repeat. Um, I think that there are many ideas that are Instagram prone. I worked a lot, for instance, with art exhibitions and there's a lot of art that's made for Instagram. Mm. It's not particularly good and it's not particularly well thought, but it works super well on a very immediate very level fast. of just, yeah. you know, powerful visual impact. So I guess that's a question I have in terms of what kind of design are we looking for and what we take out of different things in different places. Um, one thing I would say is that it's all subjective. One thing might be good to one person and bad to another person and good to one person and bad to another. I think things like this, regardless if this was on like Instagram or in, like, in my hand, I would think, what is it? And I think it does its purpose. I think if the design does what it's meant to do, it's done yeah, what it's meant to do, like all the extra stuff that we might want from it, it might not be what the designer wanted from it. So I don't think we can add all these extra stuff. This, let's say for this, is there to make us think, not one more killing. When I saw it, that's what it done. Anything else is my opinion on what it should have done, not the designers. So I think that's my point of view on it. feel that great design can sort of transcend like mediums as in if it's a great design on, on Instagram it will also be, be a great design in print and yeah, yeah. sorry David I was just going to reinforce what you said I don't think they're mutually exclusive at least they shouldn't be you know I think we to some degree have got a responsibility to, to find something that is true to the brand that has longevity it's not always the case though um, but, yeah, I think that's partly something that we have to try and do. They're not something that are separate. Uh, any other questions? Yeah. 
did the pores uh, that you showed, did, did they have uh, the impact that it had actually in use? I think that's a really good point. We did look into that. And uh, so the kind of health foundation that was behind this, it was rolled out in across kind of like 4,000 villages, I think, something like that to start with. And so actually, I think there's huge scope for this. And it would be a real shame if it stopped at that. I think that it's it's a really lovely solution that should be rolled out much more. But I think it probably did start fairly small as something that was kind of handed out literally um, when they were kind of doing events to try and talk to women about breast cancer. Um, so it's interesting because I think when you're judging stuff, obviously we don't know the people behind the projects and we're, we're trying to judge it purely on what's in front of us. Um, but it's a, it's a really good point on social purpose projects um, that, that you, you know, it should be at scale if at all possible rather than something that's a lovely idea that actually doesn't achieve what it could. And, um, you know, sometimes things don't go as far as they ought to. Um, and I would, I would really hope that this goes far. I don't know all of the detail behind it because we were only given a certain amount of information as judges. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it's really important that things aren't done for, um, for PR purposes and that they actually do, when it's a really strong idea, that it actually delivers um, its potential. I'll ask a question if no one else will. Um, I just wondered in each of your categories, I know you've talked about the judging criteria, what do you think the one thing that tripped work up was that kind of you, I don't know if you got sort of frustrated with the process or there were things where you're like, oh, if they'd just gone this far or done this, were there themes in that sense that tripped work up from, from going further? Um, I suppose for spatial, which I think is quite a different category from all most of the other ones at the DNAD. I think it was just there were um, like spatial design is plural. It's where there was lots of kind of one-hit wonders where it's like it's branding in a space or it's like you know graphics in a space, and it was not it was not kind of properly contextualized within like a three-dimensional space. So I think it's just kind of. Um, having more rigor over the application and, and, and why you think, well, as an entry, why you think it's relevant for spatial design. Um, I'd say in branding, it was just that people put too much stuff in, both in the visual submission and the written submission, and you just don't have time. So if they were clearer about the things that cut through, so the immediacy point, stuff would, would actually make, you know, roads, inroads much quicker. Um, there's just too much stuff. There's hundreds and hundreds of pieces over three days. You just naturally get tired. And so be reductive, be single-minded to the point earlier and, you know, strip stuff away. Yeah, I think for magazine design, especially in the spreads, the exact same thing um, that was just said. Um, yeah, the, a lot of people had a lot of text in their designs and it's like it's a design thing so it should be very visually appealing so I think yeah that's something I noticed 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's a, when you're entering, there's a real desire to tell the full story and you've done so much work and you want to explain it all and, and get it all in there. But it's, it's kind of being a harsh critic to yourself of like, if I have two minutes to look at this thing, which is sometimes how long is spent in the online round of like, do I like it or not? That some great thinking could be lost if it's not properly um, presented. And that just means editing your images, being really clear, and definitely not writing too much. And I definitely do this every time I enter an awards, I write too much, and then I'm judging, and I'm like, oh my god, who's going to read that? And it's kind of, you know, I don't do it myself, and I should. Just the final point on that, I think this is a bit of advice maybe to Dean AD, just, just you know, trim the word count down. I think it's 300 words. I mean, I'd say something like, you know, put the brief in a tweet. Because, again, it's just as, as judges over all this work, you, you just don't, you can't look at and read something and look at screen. Uh, you know, um, very well, so. Um, I think we'll wrap up there unless anyone's got any last minute questions. No? Okay. Oh, is there one? I can't see, sorry. Yeah, go for it. Hi. Um, you mentioned earlier originality and also visual aesthetics. How are you ensuring that you're creating unique work, but it also speaks to the purpose of what your client wants you to create or what you want to create? I think you mentioned earlier research, and actually, rather than just focusing, well, for me anyway, I think it varies, but rather than focusing on what you want to do or the kind of work that you'd like to put out, you focus on uh, understanding the, the brief and understanding the challenge and then trying to find your way to interpret that. And also my point earlier about not necessarily looking to the rest of design for your inspiration, but just to the wider world and, and being true to the subject matter that you're dealing with. Um, I think it, it is different for different kinds of design as well. And I think that there are some places where art direction and um, having a very particular aesthetic style is actually what a designer does. And that's what they're kind of putting out into the world. And it's quite expressive of their personality. But in other times, you're really trying to communicate something for somebody else. And therefore, you need to kind of, kind of really get into their world and then find a different way of looking at it that maybe somebody's never done before. Yeah, um, we like so much of what I do is purely visual without words because it's spaces. But so often clients come to me with a Pinterest board and they're like, "This is what they already have a preconceived idea of. Like, this is what I like. This is what I think it's. This is my vision, and it's loads of loads of other people's visions all like smushed together. And so I, I can't, and, and then I see our kind of designers going off and doing more of the same. But I think um, if you can just try and like not look at visual stuff and actually like talk and write. Um, at the beginning of a project, I always find that actually lots of my research is not visual at all, and it is just about thinking and talking and discussing, and like kind of creating the ideas that way, and then you start to like populate it with image or use like images that kind of are a good expression of what you're thinking. I think that's the only way to really do it, but it is like a lot of a lot of dialogue with your client. Brilliant. And just final thoughts from David here, then we've got to wrap up. I mean, I, what I'd add to this is. Great design is hard, right? Get into really, it's a bit of blood, sweat, and tears. And the easy thing to do is to go to a blog site. And we, again, myself and my designers, we talk about this all the time. Get it, know what's out there and then put it away and ignore it and go and do something that is actually different. I think you mentioned getting out of the studio, go and consume things that are not in that world that will spin you into a different direction. 
and, and make sure it's, you know, you're immersed and it's clear on the brief and then off you go. Great. All right. Thank you so much to our panellists.